refined and purified through your, your word. We pray to be a holy reflection of your name. And God, now as we come to hear the word of God, as the people of Park Baptist, we pray, God, that you would remind us of the priority it is to, to worship you. God, we know that you have given your people a very specific way to worship you. So, God, we pray that you would remind us of that this morning. And, God, we do pray that you would show us again in your word how precious it is, Father, that you are the one who took all upon all our sins on the cross. God, it's through your blood and your blood alone that we are forgiven and that we are redeemed. God, let us never forget that there was one who stood in our stead, that stood uh, to, to claim ruined sinners, those who were running from you, God, that you captured us by your grace. And God, we pray that we'd be a people who live in righteousness. As we come this morning, God, I pray if there's anyone here who needs to repent, repent for the first time and trust in Christ for the first time, or repent of sins in their life, God, I pray that they, they would do so. I pray that by the power of your, the word of God, by the spirit of God, that you would call men and women, boys and girls to yourself, God. Father, I pray that as I announce your word, that you would preach to me by the power of the Holy Spirit, that this word would fall on fertile soil. God, we do not want another word from a man. We want a word from God. So we pray, Lord, that you would preach by the power of your spirit and take this word and you would allow it to fall on fertile soil, reaping the 30, the 60, to 100 fold of what was sown. God, make much of yourself, we pray. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I have listened to a lot of preaching in my life. Uh, some preaching has been absolutely stellar, excellent preaching that has warmed my heart to love uh, the Lord Christ more. And I have also heard a lot of bad preaching. Uh, very rarely um, do I, am I, am I at a service and I feel anger or bitterness when the word of God is preached. I remember one such time, uh, it was the fall of, of 2008. And the pastor was preaching through Exodus. And there are certain pastors that are great preachers. And there are certain pastors who are not. And they probably shouldn't be preachers. Okay? Just laying it out there. Um, while I typed that in my notes this morning, I spilled my coffee and it went everywhere. I'm not sure if that was God's judgment upon me for, for saying that. But I figured I needed to say it anyway. And for, for months, I was waiting for Exodus 12. We were going through the book of Exodus on a very slow pace. It felt like forever. And for four or five months, I was waiting for, for chapter 12 when the Passover came. Because there is no way that any gospel preacher can hit the Passover and not mention Jesus. Could not mention the Passover lamb who died in our place. And I was hungry for the gospel. I was waiting for the gospel. So the sermon started and I was eager. And I waited, and waited, and waited, and the man never mentioned Christ. And I found myself in the pew, my heart burning within me. Give me the gospel. Give me the gospel. I want to hear of Christ dying for my sins. That's the, probably the first time I, I and last time I, I went up to a preacher uh, and gave criticism that was uninvited. If you are here today, I pray that you are not going to be like a young 28-year-old uh, Pastor Dave and you're going to leave angry and frustrated because you don't hear the gospel. Rather, I pray that you would be filled with joy and hope when you hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Passover is one of the most important events in all of history. I hope this morning as we look back to the Passover in Exodus and look forward to this coming week as we celebrate uh, our Passover and Easter, I pray that you would understand even more what it means to follow after Christ. Uh, Today is is Palm Sunday, and today was the, the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and people laying down uh, palm, uh, palm throngs and, and their jackets shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Glory to God. The king has finally come. Those were the ones who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But also that Palm Sunday, what was happening is that household after household after household was going to get their lamb. They're going to get their lamb and bring that lamb into their home as they were preparing themselves for Passover. So I pray as we think about this Passover, I pray that our hearts would be thinking of Christ. Three simple points this morning. The first is the priority of the Passover, the priority of the Passover. You see that in chapter 12, verse 1. God's word says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to the father's house, a lamb for a household. The Passover was so important to the nation of Israel that every other day in a year was going to be marked by this event. This was going to be the beginning of months. You know, we all have rhythms of life. You know, we have weekly rhythms. We have places we go every year, maybe a seasonal rhythms or yearly rhythms, but that was not so for the life of a slave. Now remember, for 400 years, what a, what a slave did is they woke up, they worked, they slept, and they did it all over again. They didn't have days off. They didn't have Sunday where they rested. They just worked all the time for 400 years. This is what their fathers knew. This is what their grandfathers knew. This is what their great-grandfathers knew. All they knew as the life of a slave was no rhythm, work, sleep, die. That's what they did for 400 years. So now the Lord enters into the picture, plague after plague after plague, knowing, showing that he is the supreme God over all the gods of Egypt, and that they would know that he is the Lord. He says, now is a new beginning. You will judge the rest of your life on the Passover. Israel was make the Passover, and remembering all that the Lord did in the Exodus at the beginning of the year. It was the most important event in all of life. Now, sadly, when we go through the the history of Israel, they didn't always do this. They didn't always remember. They didn't always make the Passover a a priority. For years, they didn't practice it. They forgot the the law. So we see when Josiah became king, he he reestablished the Passover. And and, and after years of neglect, you can read all about it in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 30. Ezra, after the people of Israel abandoned the Lord and went into exile in Babylon, when they finished the temple, Ezra reestablished the Passover after the temple was was finished. Now, some Christians follow the liturgical calendar. We do in a very, very mild way. So you notice in front of our church building, we have a a purple sash on the the cross. Uh, That's our way of reminding us that Lent is here. We are approaching uh, preparation for, for Easter. 
Uh, we take more dedicated time this coming week, this Holy Week, to have our Passover and Good Friday service to, to really prepare our hearts for the, the resurrection of Christ celebration on Easter. And yet, if you are a New Testament Christian, New Testament Christians in the Bible did not practice a yearly calendar, but a weekly one. We do not govern our year by the Passover, but, but rather on the Passover lamb and his resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And we know that he was not only sacrificed, dead and buried, but he was raised from the dead. So we see this time and time again throughout the, the scriptures. That on the first day of the week, we celebrate the resurrection. Every Lord's Day is Resurrection Sunday. We gather and we celebrate that Jesus Christ died for our sins and God accepted that sacrifice through his resurrection from the dead once and for all so that we would have hope for all eternity. Israel defined their life here in Exodus by the Passover. Beloved, the church defines our life by the resurrection. As, the, as Israel was called to make the Passover priority, we are called to make the Lord's Day, the, the Resurrection Sunday, the priority of our life. Now, believer, the first day of your week is not Monday. The first day of your week is Sunday. It's when we celebrate that which is most important to us, the resurrection of Christ. We get that because that's when they discovered the Lord Jesus' body was not there. John 21, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. On the first day of the week. So Christians, for the last two thousand years have been making the the Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday, the top priority of their life. How do you prioritize your walk with God? I'm not saying that you can never miss church. I'm not saying you can never miss the gathering here, right? But wherever you are, if you are able-bodied and you are healthy and you are not full of germs and sickness, right? We we want you to stay home those days, um, or at least stay in the back. Um, right, or the balcony, which we have some there today, praise the Lord. Um, When you're on vacation, take time to gather with the saints somewhere. Because you're making a theological statement. You're saying that I believe in the resurrection of the dead. As as, As in Exodus, they're saying, I believe in the Passover. I believe in the in the Lord who revealed himself that he that the blood covers my sin. I believe that. So they practice it. If we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, make Sunday a priority where you celebrate the resurrection every single week. I know sometimes we say, well, there's 52 weeks in the year. Why not say, there's 52 weeks a year where we get to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Do not minimize it. It is of supreme importance. It was in Israel. It was for us. And I would just point out that when you look at Israel's history, when they did not practice the Passover, that's when they drifted into sin. Now, people who are not in church this morning, they may not be sinning, right? Well, I think... If they're forsaking the gathering of the saints, they could be sinning. 
pretty clear the Bible says that. But they could not be living in outrageous sin. But when you're not coming to the gathering of the saints, you're making kind of a gateway to sin. You're not being built up and encouraged and, and strengthening your immune system to fight off sin and live for Christ, but you're being kind of slowly, your defenses are being weakened. I pray that you would make the Lord a priority. Number two, we see the purpose of the Passover, the purpose of the Passover. This is wonderful. Look at verse three again. It says, tell all the congregation of Israel that the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to, to what each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night and roast it on the fire with the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until the, the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So we see this introduction of, of the lamb. The lamb is to be perfect without blemish, a year old. It says that what, what, the, what they would do is they would pick a lamb on, on Palm Sunday and they would bring that lamb into their house. And that lamb for the next week would become part of that family. The children would, would play with that lamb. They, they, would, uh, they would snuggle it. They would be around it. They'd, they'd identify themselves with that lamb. It says that a particular lamb was a lamb for a household. And if you didn't have enough people in your own house, you got with your neighbors and, and one lamb for as number of people that could, could eat it. Now we see throughout the Bible, this is not anything new. A lamb was defined as, as, as one who was in the place of, in, in the stead of, of sinners. We see in Genesis chapter, chapter 3, verse 22, after Adam and Eve fell, and it says the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. After the first sin of the Bible, what you see is you see an animal being slaughtered to cover the sins of God's people. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, it said, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. And we, we know this the, the very famous passage in Genesis chapter 22 where, where God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. And as they're going along the way, um, Isaac goes to his dad and says, Behold, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said to his son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. All throughout the, the Bible so far, you're seeing that the lamb was going to be given in place of one sinner. Well, now we get to, the, to, the, to Exodus, and what do we see? We see a lamb who's going to be given for a whole entire household. Not one individual, but a whole entire household. Well, in the next 
uh, section of Scripture, we see Leviticus. And the lamb in the Bible is given to, to cover the sins of the nation of Israel. So Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, it says, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do it with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling over the mercy seat, in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness, cleanliness of the people of Israel because of their transgressions and all their sins. So you see the, the individual, you see the household, then you see the nation. And then the Lord Jesus arrives and John sees them and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not just the nation, of the, the world. One Lamb for the entire world. This has been the plan from the beginning. Revelation 13, 8 says, The Lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. And this Lamb, the, the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, is also perfect. Read Luke uh, 21 through 23, and time and time again, you see them declaring that Jesus was innocent. Innocent, no fault is found in him. Hebrews 9, 14 says that Jesus offered himself unblemished to God. But Hebrews 4, 15, he was tempted in every way and yet without sin. Listen to the way Philip Ryken says this. I love this. Christ was crucified. It was late afternoon on the eve of Passover at twilight. Lambs would be sacrificed by every household, according to the law of Moses. All over the city, fathers were getting ready to make the offering, gathering their families together and saying, God has provided for us a lamb. Over at the temple, the high priest was also preparing a lamb to present as an atonement for Israel's sins. Then there was Jesus, hanging on the cross with the sacrificial blood flowing from his hands and his side. He was the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world. Praise God. Praise God that the Lamb was, 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 was given for us. But notice, it wasn't just the Lamb. It was the Lamb who was slain. It was his blood that was going to be a sign for us. Look what verse 13 of chapter 12 says. It says, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The blood shall be a sign for the people. Remember the plagues we've seen this time and time again. God has brought darkness upon Egypt. Israel was in light. God had brought hail upon Egypt. Israel was, was safe. Because it says that God knows how to make a distinction. It says that several times in the plague narrative, a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Why didn't he make a distinction here? Why didn't he just say, I, I know who are my people. I know who are Egypt's people. That's not what the Lord did. The Lord could have done that, but he gave the blood as a sign for the people. Why? Because the people needed forgiveness too. They needed to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. In Joshua chapter 24, many of us have those probably a plaque in our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's kind of 
Joshua's declaration, his, his, his address towards the, his parting address. The verse right before it says this, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, serve beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. For it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There was the forefathers of Israel who were worshiping the gods of Egypt. It wasn't just that God was coming in and saying, I want to show you how I am superior only to the, the people of Egypt. No, God was showing to everybody that he was superior to all the gods of the Egypt, even the Israelites, who shouldn't have believed in the, and worshipped the, the Egyptian gods, but they were slaves. They knew nothing else. And God said, no, I am the one true God. The Israelites had to have faith. They had to demonstrate that they had faith in the Lord's Passover by taking the lamb and taking his blood and putting it on the, the door, the sides and the lintel above. See, here, Israel did not need to fear the gods of Egypt. God has already made it very clear that he was the one true God. What they needed to fear was the one true God. Those of you who have ever seen the Disney classic, uh, The Prince of Egypt, probably the first time I, I was introduced to the, the Passover uh, narrative, when you watch the scene when God comes down, um, you, you see the fear upon the Israelites that what was going to happen when the destroyer would come. Uh, it was said, I read this uh, this week, that when um, Spielberg consulted the, the religious leaders, the, the, the narrative said, when I see the mark on the door, I will pass over. And they said, you can't say mark. You've got to say blood. When I see the blood on the door. I will pass over. And that's what, what they did. They changed it. God was going to execute his judgment on the gods of, of Egypt. The only way that they could find protection was with the blood. Now, today, when we think about uh, Christian sermons that are being preached throughout uh, our land, the idea of blood and sacrifice is not often preached. It seems to be uncouth and unwelcomed um, in our day. But it's, it's the blood that protects, and it's the blood that cleanses us. Just listen to a few New Testament passages on the doctrine of, of substitutionary atonement, that blood for blood. Romans 5, 9, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Hebrews 13, 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 1 John 1, 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us 
from all sin. So I can make an observation here. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of churches that are, are not pure, holy reflections of Christ because they don't talk often enough about the blood. It's the blood that cleanses. It's, it's the blood that covers us. It's the blood that, that sanctifies us, that, that sets us apart as God's people. When you think about these, this, this passage, the Passover, you see kind of two technical terms kind of come up. One would be expiation, a theological term that says that we are covered, right? So when the people of Israel looked at the, the doorpost, they knew that they had a covering, that there was an expiation offered for them. But when God came, it wasn't an expiation, it was a, a propitiation. God saw the blood and his wrath was turned away. So you see both there, right? So the people of Israel knew they had a covering, an expiation, but they also, when God came, he had a, they saw that the people of Israel had a propitiation, so he's turned his wrath away. God looked down and saw that they had made propitiation. It's a wonderful thing to think about what was happening here in the Passover. But notice how they were called to eat this Passover, this Lord's Passover, the first Passover. Look at verse 11. It says, in this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Because when they were thinking about the Passover lamb being slain, they were looking forward to the exodus. They were looking forward to the, the freedom from slavery, from the freedom to serve and worship the one true God. Beloved, every time we take the, the, the Passover, the Lord's Supper, right, when we think about the, the body of Jesus being given to us and broken for our sin, his blood being sealed, uh, his blood being poured out for us. The Bible says that we, every time we, we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We think about our own resurrection, the resurrection that God has already promised us from sin, but the final resurrection from the grave. The Lord Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, and the final enemy is death. Because we are in Christ, death cannot touch us ultimately. Yes, it will take our bodies here, but we will be raised one day to be with him in all glory. The Bible says that because he is the Lord, he is the one who owns life and death. And this passage is very clearly, the Lord says, I am the Lord. The Lord has made it plain throughout all the plagues and now even in this final Passover that the Lord is the only one we should worship. Well, lastly, we look at the practice of the Passover, the practice of the Passover. Look at verse 14. It says, This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statue forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your house. For if anyone eats what is leaven for the first day until the seventh day, that person will be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may he prepare, be, be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. And on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened 
that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether as a sojourner or a native in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lamb for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and, and, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. When, you, when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statue for you and for your sons forever. And when you come into the land the Lord gave you, give you, as he has promised, will give you as, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do, do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Egypt, Israel and Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. You're going to define your life based on this Passover. And I love that line towards the end. It says, when your children come to you and they say, Dad, why do we do this? Mom, why do, we, why do we practice the Passover in this way? You are to tell them. It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. Beloved, that is us. When people ask us why we worship on Sundays, why, why do we follow the Lamb? Because we say that there was a Lamb who was slain. The one who was worthy was, was slain. The unblemished one offered himself to God so that we could, could be forgiven. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Paul picks this up in, in 1 Corinthians 5. People who are, who are, who are boasting and prideful in their, in their sin. He says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ... Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The Passover is a call to repentance. The gathering of the saints on Sunday morning is a call to repentance. We think of what Christ has done for us, and that should lead us to, to turn away from our sin and turn to Christ. We should not be bitter or angry with our, with our neighbors. No, we should love them. We should lay down our lives for them. We should not speak harshly to our spouse. We should not berate our children. No, we should love and nourish and, and care for them, pointing them to Christ. Every time we gather, we, we have in our service a confession of sin because we all need forgiveness. We all need repentance every single week. And we need to be reminded that Christ is our Passover lamb who was slain. Israel needed forgiveness. Israel needed the blood of the Lamb. We need forgiveness. We need the blood of the Lamb. When we make the worship of the Lamb our priority every Lord's Day, we show that we believe that one day 
we will join the myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands who are believers who are gathered around the throne saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. One day all of us will gather around the throne, if you are in Christ, and say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Beloved, I pray that as your hearts cry, when you hear the word Passover, you think of Christ, our Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God who comes to take the sin of the world. Whatever sin you have today, give it to Christ. And join us in saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Father, we pray that you would give us joy and comfort this morning as we think about the lamb. You are so worthy. God, I pray that as we walk away from this place, household for a nation, but oh God, the Lamb of God was for the whole world, once and for all, taking all our sins upon the cross. We thank you that you sent the Lord Christ to offer himself unblemished to you, so we can find forgiveness in his name. We ask all this in his name, the Lord Jesus Christ.